This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Looking forward to the rest of the Week 12 games in the NFL slate, which does continue today with the first ever Black Friday game. 3 p.m. Eastern, so about three hours away. Hey, Gabe, Actually, did, two hours did, away from kickoff uh, between the Dolphins and Jets. Did you know how this uh, Black Friday game came about? Because, it, as you mentioned, it's the first time. I read an interesting article this week, and it was from one of the sports business websites. But they were talking about how this came about and how— Oh, it's insane. It's insane, man, because I didn't realize that at some point that they put a restriction on NFL games being played after a certain time on Fridays and they couldn't be played on Saturdays that would correspond with college football and and high school football. They didn't want it to become a monopoly. They didn't want it to take away from what college football and high school football is trying to do. And then the amount of money that Amazon paid to get this game, and you're thinking, God, how are you going to get this kind of money back for a one-off you're already paying, you know, a bunch of money for Thursday night football. And then they started discussing in this piece about how you think about Black Friday and how it used to be you always would go out and wait in line at Best Buy or Target or wherever. And, and you'd be sitting there when the doors opened. It'd be a mad dash to grab whatever you want. Now you're just trying to click your phone as fast as humanly possible to make sure that the thing you're trying to buy with the discount code isn't sold out. And where are you buying a lot of stuff? It's Amazon, right? So, like, even if you're sitting there and you're watching the game and, and you don't want to wait till the 20th of December to, to get your Christmas gifts like normal, they're banking on getting a bunch of people to sign up for Amazon Prime accounts and, and, and pay for Christmas gifts today and, you know, do all these things corresponding with sitting back and, and relaxing and watching football. The marketing side of it is fascinating. The fact that we get a game and they snuck it in at 3 o'clock Eastern, which is before that time window of when they would be restricted from playing the game. It, it all came together in a very unique way. It'll be interesting if it pays pays off. But for us as football fans, we don't care about Amazon's bottom line. We get some football on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, and they're taking advantage of that. Very much so. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM at Channel 80. Gabe Neitzel, uh, he's Jeff Turn. We're filling in for the guys. And Carlin versus Joe presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. You can tune in for football and a football doubleheader. Sunday, Colts host the Bucks, followed by Browns at Broncos. Coverage begins at noon Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. I don't think that you're going to have today's game on games you're looking forward to in the Week 12 NFL slate, Jeff. Uh, now, if Aaron Rodgers was healthy, maybe when Amazon originally booked the game, they you know were dreaming of Tua versus Rodgers, maybe you know playoff seeding, a spot in the AFC East, a top of that division could be on the line today. That's not the case. No, Instead, certainly- the Jets are going with Tim Boyle at quarterback. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, if you if you if you ask the average fan. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a hint. The man's name starts with a T. His last name is Boyle. I think you'd get a lot of Tads, a lot of Toms, a lot of Trents. Uh, you, might, you might get to Tim eventually, but I don't know that anybody off the top of their head is like, yeah, I know that Tim Boyle guy. But, no, it, it is not on my short list of games. I think there's a few games this weekend with backup quarterbacks that are intriguing to me. Number one, I think it's Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. When you're getting a quarterback that goes into a – a uh, situation of starting and it's just a normal NFL game it could be a conundrum but you're going up against a team that's licking its wounds from a loss a week ago it's an interdivision rivalry that's as heated as any and Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the league against uh any team much less against a, a, a backup quarterback I want to see how the Bengals respond because I think 
responding after you lose Joe Burrow says a lot about where your locker room is at. So that one's interesting. And then I have one for you that that is an absolutely putrid matchup as far as records are concerned. But if the Panthers keep losing, the Frank Wright situation is going to be something to monitor. And Will Levis looked like, man, the Titans found their guy. The heir apparent to Steve McNair all these years later. And all he's done since having that four-touchdown performance is lose games and not look good. So is Mike Vrabel's job on the line uh, based on them continuing to lose? So, like, intrigue-wise at that noon window without talking playoffs specifically, I just I think those two games are very fascinating. I want to go back to that Steelers game because, yes, first of all, I think that Mike Tomlin is coach of the year. Because any coach of the you, year? Yeah. Mike I'm Tomlin's a Steelers fan. I can't even vote for that. Yeah, no, he's the coach He didn't of the fire year. Canada quick enough. Well, sure, but look at that. That team shouldn't be any good, Jeff. It should not be any good. And yet, here they are going into week 12 of the season as one of the seven playoff teams in the AFC. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. And it, teams that made the playoffs last year that are on the outside looking in include the Buffalo Bills, who are 6-5, and five, the Cincinnati Bengals at 5-5, five and five, and I don't think you're going to see anybody taking them to make the playoffs now, especially T. Higgins is going to be out, and obviously they're without Joe Burrow for the rest of the year. And the Los Angeles Chargers are 4-6 and six after making the playoffs a year ago. And yet, here are the Pittsburgh Steelers sitting there at 6-4, and four, they they don't know what they're doing at quarterback. They don't know what they're doing offensively. And yet, if they end up being a playoff team and they win this game, which, by the way, they are favored on the road. They are two-point favorites at Cincinnati in this game. And the Steelers continue to fight and maybe be one of those playoff teams. It's just unbelievable the coaching job that that would take for Mike Tomlin. Yeah, and I think he's done an amazing job. Don't get me wrong. I, I just, and for someone like myself who sleeps with a terrible towel like it's a children's blanket, like, you know, as, as, as I was if a kid, um, I, I love the Steelers do, do, through do, and through. Do, do, do you try to cover, I mean, I know it's very small. Do you cover up? Do you try to have it next to your cheek and kind of feel the softness of the terrible towel? How are we sleeping? Ha, have, have it. I got six of them that I go to bed with every <laughs> well, single night. you sewed night. them, like, together, made a blanket? Uh, man, a couple of them sewed together. One goes over my <laughs> eyes, make sure that it's dark. Yeah. No, uh, I, I think he's done an amazing job. You have that longstanding record where he hasn't had a season under 500. It just shows what a great hire he was all those years ago. But I, I think um, there's no chance they win games the postseason. So it just it's tough for me to get sure. excited about this Steelers team as a fan. But the job that Tomlin does every single year, including this one, is is remarkable. And I think you could say the same thing. And we were talking about this with Jeff Darlington earlier today, the game he's covering for ESPN Radio. Uh, Browns at the Broncos. But I don't think any team is going to be frightened of either of those if they end up being one of the last couple of teams in the AFC playoff picture. But they're both fighting for it. And the Browns are currently in there. Broncos are sitting at 500, trying to keep a winning streak going. They're favored by a point and a half at home. But I think just for both of those teams, especially where they have been at culturally at different points, just making the playoffs is a huge step forward for both of those teams in their progression. Think about what the Broncos were a year ago. Even just think about what the Broncos were the first four weeks of the season. Everybody was still laughing at them. Everybody was still laughing at Russell Wilson and looking at Sean Payton go, oh, yeah, you thought you were going to be able to go in there and save it. Well, now they're not laughing anymore. And look, do I think that the Broncos, if they sneak in as the seven seed, are going to you know upset who ends up being that number two seed in the AFC, which right now would be the Chiefs? No, I do not believe that that is going to happen. But just making the playoffs and having that good step forward to show that the culture that you have in place is doing good things and you're on the right track would be huge for either one of those teams in the Browns and Broncos. No doubt, man. I think the Browns, 
have surprised me some this year, but I felt like their defense was always going to be there. I thought it was going to be a repeat of last year for the Denver Broncos and all the troubles that they went through. And to see the run that they've been on the last couple of weeks is really remarkable. You know, I, I never doubt Sean Payton as a head coach. I just sort of thought that the fit wasn't there with the group that he had, specifically with Russell Wilson. And so I, I would say from the AFC side of things, I'm a little bit more surprised about Denver than I am Cleveland. The Houston Texans have surprised the heck out of me so far this Oof. season and what they've been able to do with C.J. Stroud. You're not alone on that one. C.J. Stroud was my pick preseason as the offensive rookie of the year, but I was going with that based on how much they were probably going to have to utilize his arm to be in games versus I felt like the Panthers were going to be able to you know, bring Bryce Young along a little bit slower based on how good that defense was the previous year. That thing's been a complete dumpster fire. But yeah, I mean, even if you expand it out to the to the NFC, I don't know that there's a team that may have surprised people more than what we have seen so far this season from the Denver Broncos, considering how bad it looked a year ago. And Sean Payton came in and has been able to get going with Russell Wilson. It's been fun to watch if you're a Broncos fan because last year was so terrible when you had all those expectations with the acquiring of Wilson via the trade. Yeah, and you mentioned what we've seen so far from the Texans. They may have that might be the best game of the day tomorrow. Jaguars are favored by a point and a half at Houston, but first place in that division is on the line. Who thought that the Jags were even going to be tested in that division after winning a playoff game last year, looking as good as they did during the second half of the season? Not saying that they look bad now. I mean, they're sitting there with a seven and three record, but the Houston Texans winning their last three in a row, and now they're six and four. The Jags have been up and down. And these are two quarterbacks in in Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Stroud. Like, that could be their generation's quarterback rivalry. And they're in the same division, the way that both of them have been able to play as young quarterbacks. Sign me up for that one. That is going to be an incredibly exciting game to pay attention to on Sunday. And then Anthony Richardson, you talk about the, the, the part of that division, too, that we're going to see unfold as his career goes on. Richardson, Stroud. Um, of course, you, you know you, you mentioned previously too. We were talking about Will Levis to see how his career goes, and then of course Trevor Lawrence. Man, that that would be fun to see. All, I hope all four of those guys are really good because oh. they have the potential. That Lawrence already is there. C.J. Stroud showing those signs. We'll see about Richardson after the injury and Will Levis. But you have highly touted individuals across the board there. Yeah, and. Certainly still plenty of games to look forward to, despite uh, a lot of games being played. Three yesterday, you get the Black Friday game today, so a lot of those games already going off the slate, but still plenty of things to look forward to on Sunday in the NFL for sure. But coming up next, we dive back in. Who gets in to the college football playoff if chaos ensues? And I'm looking forward to this because I feel like even in years where we root for the chaos, like it wouldn't actually be chaotic. This has the potential to be true chaos in the college football playoff. We'll try to figure all that out coming up next on Carlin and Joe on ESPN Radio. Tomorrow on ESPN Radio, undefeated Florida State looks to impress the playoff committee without injured quarterback Jordan Travis when they head to the swamp to face the Florida Gators. Coverage begins tomorrow at 6.30 Eastern with kickoff at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. Presented by Dr. Pepper. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. College football playoff rankings are in. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Ohio State. And number three, Michigan All-State put. Washington slides into the fourth spot. Florida State falls to number five. I think it has more to do with what Washington has accomplished than it's a reflection of questioning Jordan Travis. It really was about Washington and what Washington did this past weekend. And as we looked at Washington over the course of the season, looked at Florida State.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. If we decide to put Washington ahead. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80, Gabe Nights along with Jeff Turn filling in for Carlin and Joe. And Carlin versus Joe is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can also tune in for college football action tomorrow night, Rivalry Week. Florida hosts Florida State. It's presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. In college football, I don't think we see necessarily the chaos this week, but the chaos is just looming. It's sitting there. It's waiting to come out in college football. Outside of Michigan, Ohio State, not a lot of good games for the, I would say, eight potential teams that could still make the college football playoff. Michigan, Ohio State's going to be great. But that's not chaos. We knew that game was going to be coming. We knew that we're going to be two and three likely going into this game. So we know that going in. But there is potential for chaos all over the place. And Oregon, Texas, and Alabama all waiting in the wings to potentially get in. And Boo Corrigan, the College Football Selection Committee chair, had this conversation with Ian Simmons around those three teams and what has to potentially happen for them to get in. Really good teams, right, as, as we've talked about. You know, the, the, the Texas loss in the Red River shootout, right, to, to Oklahoma, um, where, they, where they go up and then Oklahoma comes back and scores that touchdown. You got the Alabama, you know, losing um, at home to Texas. You got Oregon in the close game. Uh, with Washington, the three-point game there, right? You got an Oregon team that's dominated in, in their other 10 games. You know, top five in offense, top 20 in defense, six turnovers on the year. You got a quarterback in Bo Nix that's completing 78. Did not stammer on that. 78% yeah. of his passes, right? <laughs> As he's going through it, Texas, you know, Quinn Ewers has been in and out, right? And then you look at the growth of Jalen Milrow, you, you know, just really, really good football teams and, you know, as we said before, you know, there's no wrestling in the hallway, that type of thing. But it is it is an active group that's bringing up every point they can. And, you know, at times it's, you know, one person on one side, one person on the other side of the room going back and forth. And we encourage all those conversations. And let's have every difficult conversation we, have, we can have as a group and then come out with our rankings. So right now I think there are eight teams that can make the college football playoff. Can I throw a ninth? Can I throw a ninth one in there? Sure. Because I know what you're going to go with. You're going to go Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Oregon, Texas, Alabama. Am I right? Yeah, and chances are you 
probably can throw Florida State out there. But, look, they have the opportunities in front of them. If they win this week against Florida, which is the only top eight team who's favored by less than double digits outside that Michigan-Ohio State game. And, you know, so depending upon what they do there and then the ACC championship game against Louisville, like they could still potentially make it. There's still a path there. I just don't know what they're going to look like without Jordan. The ninth team for me is Louisville. Okay, and here's this is where the chaos would have to be at an all-time high. And you would Hell have to. no. Yeah, I, 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 I cannot wait to hear this. You ready for this I, one? This I do not seat- see a world in which a one-loss ACC champ gets in. So here, strap your seatbelt on. Uh, this is going to be called Professor Turn, teaching you a little bit about college football chaos okay. at its finest, okay? All right. The college football chaos theory by Jeff Turn. Exactly. Here it goes. Uh, I probably will get a doctorate in this at some point in my life. This weekend, Georgia loses to Georgia Tech. Okay. And then they lose to Alabama in the college football playoff. I mean, in the uh, – excuse the, uh, SEC championship. Yep, then they would not make it to the college football playoff yeah. with two Georgia's losses. Out. Yep, they're out. Bam is in. The winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game goes on to the Big Ten title game and is shut down by a stingy Kirk Ferentz-Iowa defense. Okay. (laughs) And so they have one loss, and that loss came to Iowa in the Big Ten title game. Washington ends up losing to either Washington State or in the Big Ten title game. They have one loss. I'd prefer to see them lose two for the chaos to happen. Oregon loses to Oregon State. Arizona goes to the Pac-12 championship game. Florida State ends up losing to Louisville, and that's in the ACC title game. Texas loses the Big 12 title game. And my teams at that point would be Louisville, Alabama, the SEC champ. Uh, The team that lost in the Michigan-Ohio State regular season game that didn't lose to Iowa of all teams okay, okay. would be my third team. And then, hell, if, if we only have a one-loss Washington team, put them in, baby. That's how you get Louisville in the college football playoff. Now, all those things to happen, if you bet a parlay, you would own the earth, okay, because that's how the odds would have to stack up. See, I, hear, I thought you did as much research that you you just went on to ESPN Bet and you tried to put all those things in to see if you could even it paid you It parlay. paid you earth. It gave you a symbol <laughs> of earth, and you own it after all that happens. I'm not a smart man. Yeah, so as I was saying, there is no chance. I do not see a world (laughs) that exists that that Louisville gets in. If Dumb and Dumber taught us something, you're saying there's a chance. Louisville is saying there's a chance. Uh, yeah, I, I still do not see it. I mean, hey, I, I appreciate all the work you put into that, Jeff. And it's a lot of work. It's the most work me, I've probably ever put in on this show. You lost me on show. Georgia loses to Georgia Tech. That's where you lost me. You and lost, that was very uh, early I, I, in I the lost. process. When was the last time Georgia Tech beat Georgia? Can, can we get stats and information back there? Uh, can we get Giants Nick on that to figure that out for me? The last time Georgia lost to Georgia Tech. I mean, it had to have been... I'd say at least probably a decade that that has happened. Probably. So, I mean, it, at least, man. That that rivalry has been so one-sided. So, no, that ain't going to happen, man. But, you know, at least I entertained the chaos like we were trying to. Yeah. It, the thing for me is I wish the college football playoff was larger this year because I feel like in, in Florida State, not as much. So, I guess it's more seven teams for me after the, the, the injury that Florida State is dealing with. But those remaining seven teams, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, Oregon, Texas, Bama, 
if any one of those teams won the national championship, you wouldn't be shocked. And it, it's just felt like for so long with the college football playoff that the the championship game was almost a foregone conclusion and we were going to get, oh, Georgia and Bama. Or, you know, there was just always one or two dominant teams that had kind of separated themselves. Despite, I mean, Georgia's playing some of their best football right now. Georgia has been fantastic. They should be number one. But if they lost to Washington, I wouldn't be shocked. If they lose to Bama in the SEC championship game, that would not be shocking. I don't think that they're this untouchable 11-0 and team at the top of the college football playoff rankings. There are, to me, legitimately seven teams right now that could win a national championship. Yeah, here's the thing, though. And, again, I, I sort of have always been someone that was um, forward-thinking. I enjoy change. I'm not one that's stuck in my ways, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, except for college football. So, like, when you just said, I wish that the college football playoff was expanded right now, I cringed because, again, it once, it once again affirms my – confirmation that there was nothing better than the regular season in college football oh yeah Uh and now that changes so much with games like michigan ohio state next year not meaning as much as we talked about before and so i i understand it listen if if it was up to me and you told me i had to come up with the best way competitive wise to crown a college basketball champion i'd do away with march madness in a second but you know what? People need money and people need entertainment. And that's what the NCAA tournament brings. I'm not naive to that. And that's what the college football playoff is going to bring. But allowing a team that is like the 64th team in the country to have a shot at winning a national championship in college basketball is asinine to me. In college football, I always felt like the top two teams, even in the BCS era, other than one or maybe two years, was represented in the national championship game. I always trust computers more than I trust humans, and that's why I love the BCS era. Like, we just heard Boo Car- uh, Corgan talking about how these guys are going back and well, forth. Hold on. You know who doesn't go back hold and on. forth? Are you the lone person that loved the BCS era? I love the BCS. We found Listen, him. You we know what doesn't argue with each other? Country. Algorithms and computers. They don't argue with each other. They just tell you the answer. That's what I want. I, I understand what you're saying in theory. Because the more, and this is true of any sport, right? Because we've seen the NFL expand. Span, baseball. You know, baseball's expanded. I mean, the NBA and NHL have had eight teams forever. And they're trying to come up, especially the NBA, with which continues tonight, the in-season tournament. They're trying to figure out ways to make their regular season more meaningful. Because the more teams you add to any sort of playoff, it devalues your regular season. Don't have over half the teams make the postseason, and the regular season will mean more, right? Yeah, Basketball. 100%. So I understand what you're longing for. I'm just saying I think that this is and, – and this might not even be true next year when they actually expand to 12. This is for the first time in a long time where I need more than one hand to count the number of teams I think could potentially win that college football playoff because that's how many teams are playing really good right now. I think there were years, though – there were many years, I think, during the BCS era and everything else where you could have gone there six or seven teams – but I just appreciated the team that ran the table and was undefeated. Sure. Because we, we we may just have two undefeated teams by the time this thing's all said and done, and they should be playing for a national championship. Instead, a team that slipped up at the regular season's end will have an, you know, an, an opportunity to trip up a team that completed the gauntlet of the regular season in the conference championship. And I think that's a little unfair considering how important that once was. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be watching with interest and excitement, <laughs> enjoying all of it. I say all that to say that, man. Uh, quickly, because I know we're running late, but I do want to close this loop. Nick, you have the last time Georgia Tech beat Georgia? 
Yeah, you'd have to go back to 2016, Kirby Smart's first year. Harrison Budker now of the Chiefs kicked the game-winning point after to win 27-26. That's amazing. And I got breaking news, too, as well for you guys. Um, the over-under in the Iowa-Nebraska game today was a whopping 26 points. Iowa's knocking on the door to put up a field goal here, which would make it 13-7. to We may have the over-under in an Iowa game go over by halftime. If that's not breaking news, <laughs> Actually figuring out how to play football in Iowa. Good for them. Coming up next, Ohio State-Michigan is tomorrow. We dive more into some of those details. Coming up next, Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Undefeated Florida State looks to impress the playoff committee without injured quarterback Jordan Travis when they head to the swamp to face the Florida Gators. Coverage begins tomorrow at 6.30 Eastern with kickoff at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. Presented by Dr. Pepper. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. I think this game traditionally is going to be one in the trenches, and I get the sense that Michigan does have an advantage there. It's all about our preparation for Ohio. You know, the days, the minutes, the hours, everything leading up to this game, you know, that's where our focus is, preparing ourselves, and anything else is irrelevant. If they were to lose to Michigan, I think the scrutiny would absolutely intensify. The pressure is tremendous at Ohio State. Ryan Day knows that. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Gabe Knights along with Jeff Turn, filling in for the guys here on Carlin and Joe. Carlin and Joe presented by Progressive Insurance. Big day, big day. College football tomorrow. Rivalry week. And the biggest rivalry of them all kicks it off at noon, Ohio State, Michigan. To help us break it down, we welcome in Adam Rittenberg, ESPN college football reporter. Adam, how big of a deal is it that they are not going to have Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines for the biggest game of the year? Well, it's significant just because of his presence. He's been in a lot of these games. He loves the Michigan-Ohio State game. Uh, You know, they've gotten through their first two games without him and still won, although last week was a bit shaky against Maryland. And I think you can certainly look at J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, and wonder if he's better when Jim Harbaugh is on the sideline. He wasn't asked to do much against Penn State, did not play very well last week against Maryland. He was a bit banged up. But you do wonder, you know, does he need Jim Harbaugh there to uh, allow him to be at his best? Um, And certainly some of those key decisions – uh, you know, would, would they be better served having Jim Harbaugh there? Sure. But this is a team that's very veteran. They've also been through a lot of these difficult distraction-type things over the course of the last couple of years. 
and they're still an elite program. So I, I think that uh, you know, overall it's not that much of a detriment to this Michigan team. Last year we saw Blake Corum go out after two plays for the Michigan Wolverines and didn't play subsequently until this season after that knee injury. We have seen him rush for 20 touchdowns this year in that Penn State game. They handed the rock off every single time in the second half and didn't pass the ball. How big of an impact does Blake Corum have to have tomorrow for Michigan to win this game? Well, I think when Michigan needs the tough yards, especially in the red zone, you know that's when they're going to need Blake Corum. He's been obviously terrific getting the ball into the end zone, had multiple touchdown runs in each of his last three games, four of his last five. And even though his overall numbers, you know, 888 rushing yards, about five yards a carry, they're solid. They're not, you know, national awards level. But in this type of game, when there's probably only going to be a few opportunities to score the ball and you're going to need a third and two or a third and three converted here and there to keep the drive going against Ohio State, that's when his role will be significant. You know, Donovan Edwards, is out there as well. He had the big play last year, last year against Ohio State, more of a home run type back. But you know, Blake Corum has embraced this role that's maybe a little different from what he had last year, and he's been very, very good lately. Talking with Adam Rittenberg, ESPN College Football reporter. This is Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm Gabe Nigel, along with Jeff Turn, as we fill in for the guys today. What do you think is going to be? the biggest difference maker either way as both of these teams try to inch closer to being one of the four in the college football playoff? Well, I don't think we're talking enough about Ohio State's defense and just how much better they are this year. You know, they were an improved unit last year, but they struggled, as you guys know, against both Michigan and then against uh, Georgia in the CFP semifinal. You know, in talking to Jim Knowles, who's their coordinator, who's a veteran coach, he really had to reassess his whole approach after last season. And I think he simplified things. You see how, how they're performing against the run. They're, they're top five, top ten in almost every category. So uh, I think that they will be more up to the task as far as limiting those big plays that Michigan was able to uh, get on them last year in Columbus. So that's, that's a part of this. And then you know, certainly Michigan's defense has been outstanding. Mike Sandersill has been an All-America candidate in the back end. A former wide receiver has just been terrific for um, Jesse Minter and that Michigan defense. So I think those two groups are, are very, very strong. And, again, I don't expect too many, too many long, uh, long plays or really too many overall scoring opportunities in the game, even though it's been somewhat high scoring lately. Adam, what do you think uh, is the likelihood that the loser of this game can find their way to the college football playoff? Yeah, for Michigan, I give them no chance because of the strength of schedule. Uh, but for Ohio State, you know, maybe a, a small chance, 5%, 10%. They certainly would need a lot of things to go their way elsewhere. But they did go out and challenge themselves uh, in the non-conference, going to Notre Dame, getting a win on the road against the Notre Dame team that probably will end up 9-3. and three. They also have a win against Penn State like Michigan has. They have the win on the road at Wisconsin, which isn't as important this year as it has in, in, in years past. But uh, I think they would have more of a case that, than Michigan would, especially if it's a close game, an overtime loss, something like that. But they certainly would need a lot of help because so many teams, guys, are still alive for the playoff. This is a little unusual in the four-team era to have so many possibilities going into the final regular season weekend that teams can still say, we have a chance if we can win our game. So I think it's going to be awfully hard for anyone who loses here down the stretch to, to still get into the playoff. 
It's Garland versus Joe on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Gabe Nice and Jeff Turner filling in for the guys today, talking with Adam Rittenberg, ESPN college football reporter, about number two Ohio State traveling to number three Michigan tomorrow. I, and, and you were just mentioning Michigan's defense, and they have been fantastic all year, but gave up almost 250 passing yards last week against Maryland. And, of course, Ohio State, led by Marvin Harrison Jr., good receivers on the outside. They can move the ball through the air is that something worth watching or was it just kind of you know an abnormal performance by the Michigan defense that they allowed some air yards last week no I mean I think you could say listen they hadn't faced receivers that were that were nearly that talented all year Uh, Maryland's got some dudes on the edges Mike Loxley's always had uh, receivers Josh Gaddis who's the former Michigan offensive coordinator he's a really good receivers coach they certainly miss him at Penn State uh, having been there in the past so I, I do think that's an important point to make, that Michigan wasn't uh, as, as dominant in stopping you know, some of those plays down the field, and now they're going up against Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka and a receiving core. You throw in Kate Stover at tight end that can really do some damage if you make a mistake, if you're not in the right position, your eyes are in the wrong spot. So that's going to be a storyline. You know, here in, I just got to Detroit. That doesn't look like there's going to be significant weather as a factor, which I think also favors Ohio State and trying to throw the ball a little bit downfield. And so you've got Marvin Harrison, guys, for, for at least uh, one more game for sure if you're Ohio State. So you better use him to, to his fullest because he is just, just an outstanding wide receiver and, and should be a factor in this game. Adam, we certainly appreciate the time. Happy Thanksgiving, and I know you're going to enjoy Michigan-Ohio State tomorrow. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN College Football Reporter, joining us here on Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Coming up next, Dak made his MVP case on Thanksgiving. Who else in the NFL is in that mix? We'll talk about it next. But first, Jeff has this from Farm Fresh Christmas Trees. Get real and keep it real this holiday season by buying real Christmas trees. Did you know that buying real Christmas trees helps save the American Christmas tree farming industry? All about America, baby. For every fan, or for every, excuse me, for every fan of college football, we should all buy the Christmas trees. I was not, that was, that was me ad-libbing there. Uh, for every 10 Christmas trees planted, an acre of land is saved, and so are American farmers' jobs. Plus, buying real Christmas trees helps keep real holiday memories alive while helping our environment. Buy real Christmas trees this holiday season at Lowe's or wherever Christmas trees are sold. Get more information online at GetRealKeepItReal.com. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Knows Pros. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Versus Joe, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Series 6M, Channel 80, Gabe Nigel, Jeff Turn, filling in for the guys today. And I, for one, impressed with what Dak Prescott did yesterday. Four more touchdown passes for him. He's got five games in a row, multiple touchdown passes. He's playing some of the best football of his career is he in the MVP conversation is Tyreek Hill in the MVP conversation it just at this point usually you see guys start to separate themselves and maybe it's a two-horse race between two quarterbacks but I don't want to say it's parity in the NFL because even the really good teams you look at Baltimore the numbers don't pop off the page for Lamar Jackson even though I think he's playing really good uh, all the drops I believe it's up to 26 for Kansas City has really prevented those Patrick Mahomes numbers jumping up to a level that we would expect them to be so it just seems like that NFL MVP race is wide open right now Jeff 
No, I agree with you. And you look at the odds from ESPN bet, Jalen Hurts plus 250, Lamar Jackson plus 350, Patrick Mullins plus 450, and Tua at plus 650, then Dak at plus 750. Everyone else after that is plus 1,600 or higher. And I think just by process of elimination, you can start to take away folks like Jared Goff and Josh Allen. There's just been too much inconsistency there. Uh, tough for me to believe that a running back is going to win that award. So Christian McCaffrey at plus 1,800, um, I, I would guess probably is going to be off that list hard for me to believe that a rookie is going to win that award so i take off cj stroud brock purdy hasn't had the gaudy numbers and i think that's what's going to hinder him there i can take him off it leaves me with those ones that i just mentioned and then i I just don't think that trevor lawrence is an mvp player right now the one that has the odds at at the plus four thousand that i think somehow could maneuver their way into the top five is Tyreek Hill. And I'm actually surprised that Tyreek Hill's odds to win MVP are, are worse off than someone like C.J. Stroud or Brock Purdy just because Tyreek Hill's having a historic year and has established himself as one of the best wide receivers in the league. Well, you're not alone because former Dolphins linebacker Channing Crowder had this to say to TMZ Sports about why Tyreek Hill is indeed the league MVP. Oh, he's number one if you're going off of that. Who's the most valuable? I always like to say in this most valuable is so back and forth because he's not as valuable to his team than this guy is. I want to say who's the most dominant player at their position. And when you start breaking records, when you're lining up and every week you're breaking a new record for week six, week seven, week eight, chasing Calvin Johnson's record. Like now the names that Tyree Hill's being, being spoken about in these articles are historic names. He is the best player at his position in the NFL right now. I think in order for someone to win outside of the quarterback, you have to do something historic, something large, something big. Because the last time we saw a non-quarterback win it was Adrian Peterson. Ran for over 2,000 yards, but also did it with coming off of a knee injury, which was unbelievable. When he had his MVP season in 2012, it was ridiculous what he was doing. So Tyreek Hill fits that mold. He He's does. on pace right now to have over 2,000 yards. Look, I understand we have the 17th game, so it's going to be a little bit easier for him to do it than Calvin Johnson. But the 17th game is there. And you have to do something outlandish, outrageous that we haven't seen before in order to win this award if you're a non-quarterback. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. And I think the outlandish part is something that Tyreek Hill could accomplish. If you look at Miami, and you mentioned the 17th game is huge because the numbers at the end are going to look different than, than your predecessors and those that, that came before you. But if you look at the Dolphins down the stretch, you're going up against the Jets today, and I don't know what I'm going to get from that Jets defense after I saw them get torched last week from the Bills. Maybe it's the Jets defense that's stout and, and you don't get a ton, but I think he'll have his today. You're going up against the Commanders, who just fired their defensive backs coach and their defensive coordinator. They are going to light them up next week. Titans, Jets, Cowboys down the stretch along with the Ravens and the Bills. I mean, there are three or four games there where you think Tyreek Hill can go for 200. And so I think, you know, maybe that in itself allows him to get in that top five. I still think it is going to have to be like Adrian Peterson circa what you said, 2012, to really have any sort of chance of beating a quarterback in today's game where there are just so many stats that go along with that position.
Yeah, and, and it's you just have to separate yourself. And it has to be a year where maybe a quarterback isn't popping off or doing those things because I promise you if Adrian Peterson had done that the year that Tom Brady was putting up his outlandish stats with Randy Moss at wide receiver, no then chance, you still then. don't have a chance. Right. So it's almost the perfect storm right now because Jalen Hurts' numbers, even though he's the favorite, does Jalen Hurts really feel like the league MVP? I know the Eagles are 9-1. and one. No. But his, no. his, his passing numbers, and I know where he also separates himself as running the football, but his passing numbers, very similar to Jordan Love of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, if I was going to give Jalen Hurts an MVP award, it would be for the tush push. It wouldn't be for the league MVP <laughs> right now. I would give it to Mahomes. Then I'd probably go Jackson, followed by – actually, I'd probably go Mahomes, then Dak, then Jackson, and then Jalen Hurts would be fourth on my list. Yeah, I so I, I think if Dak keeps doing this – and again, I think – the problem for both Tyreek Hill and Dak is right now you are well for Dak he's not leading his division. Miami well, they're not beating is, teams that are that are they're good. They're not beating yes, they're not beating teams. But you you just rattled off the schedule for the Miami Dolphins. Like they're going to have opportunities down the stretch to potentially have those big games. And if he can have you know 150, 170, one of these 200 yard receiving games that he's capable of in one of those big time matchups. That makes you go, oh, okay, the Dolphins can hang with the best teams in the league. If Dak can do the same thing against the Eagles, who are still left on the schedule for the Dallas Cowboys, and put them in the conversation of almost catching down the Eagles, I think you can still be a wildcard team and have the NFL MVP if Dak continues on his current trajectory or Tyreek. Like, to me, those are the two guys that have the most upside. Because, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is going to be there at the end of the year, but I don't, I don't see him putting up outlandish numbers to kind of meet what we're expecting out of Patrick Mahomes year in and year out. So it, it leaves the door open for that unlikely character to step up. And right in the middle of all of this is C.J. Stroud at plus 1,600. The fact that he's even sitting there as a rookie is astonishing. But, you know, we're sitting here debating who's going to win MVP. That's the award that you don't have to take another snap if you're C.J. Stroud the rest of the year. You've wrapped up NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Like yep. he, he, He's in the MVP conversation. He's wrapped up that award. If you're the Texans, you have to just be on cloud nine. You got Will Anderson with that third pick. Team him up with C.J. Stroud. Will Anderson's had a good year, too. I, I just think C.J. Stroud, of all the players on here, if you were to tell me we're going to be in the MVP conversation, ain't no way in hell, even as much as, as I was buying him to him being Rookie of the Year, did I think he he would be above Christian McCaffrey, Josh Allen, Jared Goff, and Tyreek Hill for odds to win the MVP. That puts it into context of how crazy of a year he's had. Yeah, I mean it's been outrageous. How good and sometimes, Gabe, we we just we don't talk about the guys in the middle because it's a two-person race or whatever. This is a year where I think you can focus on some of those because, like you said, it's not a runaway with one versus the other. No, C.J. Stroud leads the league in passing yards per game. A rookie quarterback for the Houston Texans, like the Texans haven't been good for four or five years. And he's been able to make them relevant. He has been able to make them an interesting, fun team to watch. 17 touchdowns, five picks. Great ratio. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, do I think the Texans ultimately kind of fade away down the stretch? Probably. probably. Yeah. Probably. But it doesn't mean it's not a fun story to talk about right now. But, again, if CJ keeps doing this, they've won their last three games. You go in against Jacksonville this Sunday, you do it again. Like, the noise is only going to get louder around CJ Stroud. Who would you rather have the next five years in the state of Texas, C.J. Stroud or Dak Prescott? Ooh. I mean, when when it's hard for me not to always pick the younger guy. Because they're cheaper and all this because stuff. Because they're cheaper. Well, not just cheaper, but, like, 
we kind of know what Dak is at this point, and Dak's playing some great football. Don't get me wrong. He's playing the best football of his career. I'd take C.J. Stroud, too, and I love Dak this year. Yeah, but C.J., it feels like he's only scratching the surface. As a I mean, rookie, yeah. there's just so much more room to grow, and that ceiling is so much higher. It, it's okay. Well, what happens if they Sounds get him some veteran players around pick, him? Oh, yeah, a 100%. rookie over Dak, but I'd take C.J. Stroud, too, man. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, if, and again, if, like, Nico Collins and some of these receivers they have just continue to grow with C.J. Stroud, that's going to be a fun, fun team to keep an eye on down the stretch. And that's why I think I'm so intrigued by this Jacksonville-Houston matchup that's coming our way on Sunday. Uh, coming up next here on Carlin versus Joe, Tim Boyle. That's right. Tim Boyle is the starting quarterback for the Jets today against the Dolphins. But who's he going to be throwing to? We discuss that next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Carlin versus Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin versus Joe podcast.